0: Psalm 139 from the message. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts for Sam. I am an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I am never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you are there. And up ahead, and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you are there. If I go underground, you are there. If I flew my morning wings, to the far western horizon. You will find me in a minute. You're already right waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, even, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I am immersed in the light. It's a fact, darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they are the spirit of you. Oh yes, you shade me inside, then, Oh yes, you shape me first inside, then out before me in my mother's womb. Thank you, High God. You are breathtaking, body and soul. I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation! You know me inside out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how it, how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing to something. Like an open book, you watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life prepared before you. I have even, before I even lived one. Your thoughts, how rare, how beautiful, God. I'll never comprehend them. I couldn't even begin to count them. Any more than I could count the sand in the sea. Oh, let me rise in the morning and live always with you. And please, God, do away with the wickedness for good. And you murderers, out of here! All the men and women who living in God, infatuated with cheap God imitations, see how I hate how I hate those who hate you. God, see how I loathe all the godless arrogance. I hate. It was pure, unadulterated hatred. Your enemies are my enemies. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. to our Ash Wednesday gathering. I think we can all agree that um, and submit to the simple fact that none of us are going to live forever, at least not in this physical body. Um, we're not going to be taking this body with us into eternity and I think uh, probably most of would say amen to that. Uh, I know for sure. Um, actually, simply put in Genesis it just simply says, we are all dirt, and we will all end the best dirt. Well, that's one thing we know that, eventually, we'll all pass away. And we all have an expiration date. It's another thing, however, to see our lives start becoming dust or dirt while we're still alive. Most of you already know um, in uh, just less than a year, a couple months from now actually, May 18th will be the second anniversary of our baby's passing. Um, We found out um, fairly early on that Joshua had an incurable chromosomal issue, uh, trisomy 18, and the chance of his survival was very grim. Um, and so, my wife and I feel like we've actually been in this lensing season for just a little under a year right now. Stretched beyond capacity, feeling our bones being ground to dust. Even now, the weight of it is still really heavy. I've talked to a few friends, and they've asked me how I'm, how am I doing? And I just simply tell them, you know. From what you see right now with me and my family, it's actually just a thin veneer of barely holding it together, barely keeping composure. The weight of his death still looms heavy over our entire family. What does this have to do with the Lenten season? early on, wrestling with the story that God was writing for us and not wanting to be part of it. Not wanting to hold on to the reality of what was going to happen. We got the blood test. Um, There was an 83% certainty that Joshua was carrying uh, for trisomy 18. And initially there was and a sense of peace, and we're like, okay, it's just a blood test. It could be wrong, even though there's an 83% certainty, it, it could be wrong. We had to wait till 20 weeks before we got, uh, we're able to get an ultrasound so they can see for sure if Josh was caring for the markers of trisomy 18. Um, and when we met with the ultrasound doctor, finally he looked and said nothing to us, but we been we were already searching through all sorts of pictures and finding out what the markers were. So just based on what we saw, we could we could clearly see that he was carrying trisomatine or Edwards or Edwardson, but still uh, the doctor kept silent. And whenever we tried to ask him a question, he would say, this let me finish, let me finish. I'm I'm almost done. Um, And finally he finished and very sympathetically turned to us. And I said, first I just want you to know that the blood test you got is, could be considered a diagnosis on its own. Um, And seeing the markers And the ultrasound just confirms that Joshua, in fact, has trisomy 18. And still we wrestle with renewing, falling into this reality. Actually, you know what, when I was trying to write this, it just hit me again, so much harder before. And there's a sense when you're sharing these types of stories of suffering that it just becomes really hard to actually communicate and articulate exactly And I found myself just frozen for a moment I was trying to figure out how to say it and how to write it and I reached out to Pastor Mark and just talk, talking about how even thinking about sharing the story just felt like a a sense of betrayal to the story somehow. Um, like my words just would not be adequate, and then just God just gave me the sweet words of speaking speaking to me that moment. And as we began to talk, I just began to realize that there is in fact a a very profound sacredness sometimes to the type of suffering that we can go through. And it's so much so that it's, it's, it's so hard to put it into words um, even. And as I kind of wrestle trying to figure out how to say the story, and I just kept fighting back these voices in my mind, in my heart, just calling me out. Making light of it, calling out for the betrayal of the story itself. And it's precisely in those moments of great vulnerability that we see oftentimes that the enemy wants to come in and change the narrative of that story. And Mark was like, God is doing something with this story. There's a holiness in the events leading up to Joshua's death and then also ultimately at the moment of his death he only lived 45 minutes. It was this morning, I don't know that I really shared with too many people. We, uh, We noticed right away that Joshua was struggling. Just having a hard time catching his breath, having a hard time even moving and he hardly moved. He cried once, just a little squeal and all celebrated that cry. And his body started to pink up a little bit, but you could tell. We knew that he wasn't gonna make it. And then he stopped breathing. And I remember one of the kids saying, do something. Do something. And Kim was holding little Joshua. And just with the most extraordinarily Up, but it's just up to God. <laughs> and those words anchor us that moment. The midwife came in and tried to listen for his heart but he didn't have one. And still the room was quiet, very still. And we release them, and for a moment there was an accompanying peace. And I think this is what life is with intense suffering. At times, there seems to be an initial (laughs) coming of peace, at least for us. And then we're moving back and forth out of this peace, still questioning, wondering, why would God do this? Why would God take? Joshua away from us did, did we not have the capacity to love him? Did we not have the capacity to care for him? Mm-hmm. It still lingers, it's still there. we feel ourselves being stretched by God like a rubber band and right now family we're in that middle part of the rubber band where it's still tender and hot and almost feels like it's about ready to snap and we wrestle with letting go of that story trying to be the authors of that story trying to dictate to god what would have been the best course for us and as time goes on we slowly begin to lose grip of it and we continue to fall and trust in the name of Psalm 23, 139 verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Yeah. place of vulnerability. We had people praying for healing my mom, who is not a believer. suffering. Still in a place of hurting. Still in a place of moving in and out of trusting in the Lord. But we do believe that God is doing something. God is taking our family and searching us the places that it's hard for us to understand so as we regularly call out in the name of the Lord we hold on to all as we do that and as he searches our hearts and as he begins to do surgery and remove the things in our hearts that create separation between us and him or to the or, or with each other we know ultimately that we At the same time, um, being received by the Father and being brought into a safe place with Him, we know that as we call on the name of the Lord, that He is a strong tower, and that we can run into that place for safety. So He both does the surgery and the continuing of the breaking of our hearts, but then also receiving us in a place of safety. My words were more like one. But this is just the fall place of where we are as a. How do we trust you? How do we enter into this Lenten season? expose ourselves to you? How do we know that you are ultimately trustworthy? How do we know we can rest in you? Father, give us your strength. Give us your strength to even invite you into those places in our lives that are broken. Into those places in our lives that are just so desperate that it's hard to see you. Help us to know that even in those places of hiding, you're there with us.